this is John Burns with New Heights 360, and I'm very excited about our next guest. He's a very good friend of mine. We have been good friends for a little over seven months, I believe, and we have been a part of a mastermind group together, and currently we are a part of something he started, which is a mastermind coaching group, which is just an unbelievable experience and proof of what you can do when you mastermind a group of successful people into one area. And it's just been outstanding to, to see the growth, not only in myself, but with everybody that's been in that group. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Andrew Lassie, not Andrew Lassie, as I've been referring to him for the last seven plus months, literally to everybody I know. We'll cut it, it's, it's Lassie's. La Cisse. There it is. La Cisse. There it is. See? <laughs> he corrected again. I'm it's, still screwing his name It still works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew's such a nice guy, though. I'll respond to it. <laughs> literally, we were down at the uh, IMC for John Maxwell, and he literally never said anything as I introduced him. But, I mean, you Lesson. don't usually – you don't usually introduce people with their last name. It's not like if I'm introducing you to people, oh, hello, so-and-so at this party. This is John Burns. Great to meet John Burns. Oh, hey, Dave, come over here. You have to meet John Burns. It's, it's just, uh, informal. So it's maybe happened like twice. If that. I, I know. We'll, we'll I know. The record. But, but, <laughs> but being as a uh, highly esteemed guest as you are, it, it is rather quite important that I get at least your last name correct. So okay. I'll work on that. La Cisse. There we go. How was that? Nailed it. Yeah. That's a name with, with power. That's so much better than Lassie. Yeah. yeah Lassie, Lassie doesn't evoke a whole lot of confidence or trust. And I think that, that was probably why growing up was pretty awkward for me. No, no substitute teacher. There were maybe like three in the history of roll call where people said it the correct way the first time. So you're in good company if you're mispronouncing it up front. <laughs> but I got to admit, so uh, knowing uh, your, your current success and the size of some of your companies, but I'm trying to think of like with a client, Lassie or Lassis. Now Lassis makes you want to spend money. Lassie's like, <laughs> Lassie's like, well, maybe I'll think about it. You know, I mean, that's such a soft last name. It's a soft, it's a soft <laughs> close. You don't need to have a takeaway or anything extra. It's just, uh, let me talk to my wife. Let me think about it. That's, that's the kind of close that that name, <laughs> that that name provokes. Oh, absolutely. But Lassie's? That makes you want to that that invokes Pull a out the credit right? card. Oh Swipe yeah, now. right there. That means like you're taking over the world. But Lassie, eh, maybe the guy will go get me a cup of coffee or something. But I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure he's gonna want to. That I'm gonna want to spend fifty thousand dollars with this guy. So <laughs> it's a barista, uh, a level of power versus entrepreneur taking over the world. Oh, absolutely. There's some disparity. I'll tell you. Um, I, I'll tell you though, Andrew, it, it, it has been fantastic getting to know you and becoming friends. And when you think of the world as we know it and, and the chances 
of you and I connecting because a lot of people don't realize, but you're, you're based out of Florida. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. So we're not even in the same state. However, we have become very connected, uh, thankfully, through a lot of virtual uh, technologies now that we have. We did meet in person in March, which was just fantastic. Uh, it was not only a fantastic uh, event, but it was, just, it was just awesome just to meet you and hang out and meet your wife and your baby. And, you know, it was just, just a great it was just a great week. Okay. Yeah. And my baby was like two weeks old then too. He was like brand new. <laughs> well, let me tell you. So Andrew Lassis, when he makes a commitment, this guy follows through. <laughs> and I can tell you that we started a mastermind group that Andrew wanted to be a part of via virtual. And so the very first time he comes up on screen, we're kind of all sitting around going, it kind of looks like that guy's in a hospital or something. And sure enough, Andrew is in the delivery room with his wife getting ready to have a baby. And I'm like, now that is commitment. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know you guys. I didn't have any, any it wasn't like... Oh, I dropped a hundred thousand dollars and what are the odds? It was just like, I want to be a part of this. And I said, I'd go to it. And even though I don't know any of these people and nobody would ever hold it against me, it's just kind of how I'm wired. I said, I'd be there and the circumstances weren't ideal, but now here we are seven months later. And, you know, suppose that I, I skipped the meeting. I wouldn't have really had the any reason to show up to the second one. So everything that's happened between us in the last six, seven months would be completely gone had I decided I should focus elsewhere. And And just to be clear, she wasn't giving birth at the time. We were just in the room. So, hey, it, so it wasn't say, say, what, say what you want, Andrew, but that's commitment, my friend, because I'm telling it you. It wasn't in the heat of the moment. I would have. But you probably still would have been there with earbuds <laughs> in. You would have had one of her legs in your arms, and you would have been holding the phone with the other hand, and you would have been a, participating in the mastermind and helping her with the breathing. I, I, I just, that's how you're wired though, Andy. It's all about providing value wherever I can, even if it's extremely inconvenient and not timely at all. Well, that's, I'm just, just picturing your wife thinking we're having this intimate, we're having our first child. It's, it's, it's so special, Andrew, and it's quiet. We're, what, what, uh, what do you, are you on a mastermind group? Was I there? <laughs> you were there. I, I was there. Am I still there? Absolutely. Yes, as long as I can check those boxes. And to see the things that came from that group individually with you and then Lisa and Deborah and just all the connections that came from that group and Pierce, just the hard hitters that were in that group. And I didn't know anything going into it, but it's, it's one of those things that, the universe will put the right people in the right time at the right place. And sometimes just showing up is enough. And I had heard somewhere, and I don't remember the source, but it basically, they said, 
no great opportunity, no great connection ever came from an email with the subject, great opportunity. They're all just things that fall into place, just right place, right time. You had posted it on the John Maxwell group and that girl that deletes every single post deleted it like 15 minutes later. So, I mean, the amount of things that had to line up in order for us to get acquainted because of that group, I mean, you can't plan things like that. So, yes, it was inconvenient that it was when my wife was in the hospital, but it was over before she even started pushing. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you do have a beautiful baby and, and wife as well. And uh, I kind of wanted to get to currently, like, what's your why, Andrew? Because what, what has brought you to, to where you're at? And, you know, me not knowing you when I first met you, because you're very, you downplay a lot about what, what you're about as far as your businesses and your success naturally through time i've gotten to learn a lot more about you as far as that but on the surface that is not the impression you give people you're not one of those braggadocious types which we both have met several of those type of people that that go around and and you know all you hear about is how great they are how successful they are how much money they're making and etc 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 you're very low key which even to this day, knowing the good things going on in your life currently, you're still very centered and low key. So can you kind of give us a little background as far as what, what has gotten you to, to this point and, and, and what is your, your why, your, your, your driving thing right now? Well, if, if we rewind, I would say officially when I got into entrepreneurship, Unofficially, it would be when I was 16 in my parents' living room, I had started a CD duplication company. And at that time, I was maybe 16 years old. And my why then was, I want to make money. And fast forward, a couple years later, I go through college. I struggle with alcoholism and my life just goes completely down the drain, get a DUI. And then my why was, I'm going to work on myself because I don't want to go to jail. And so six and a half years ago, I got sober and I was introduced to 12-step recovery and my life drastically started changing at that point. And once my why changed from, once going to jail was no longer something on the horizon, my why became, how can I help other people? And then what I discovered was by providing value to other people, that money will follow that. And with that money, you can scale to provide value to more people. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said that just 100% my focus Every instant of every day is how do I provide value? How can I provide the most value? But the reality is there's a direct correlation between the amount of value that I bring to others and the amount of money that comes without me having to force it, without me having to make sacrifices on integrity and things of that nature. It just 
comes with it. And unfortunately, it's not just a one-to-one -one correlation. It's sort of all over the place, but the trends are in the right direction. So when I focus my, my why on providing value to other people, all of the other material things fall into place. And so as a byproduct of making the important thing, providing value to other people, as a byproduct, I get to have employees who now have a full-time job, who have a place to go to with money coming in so that they can provide for their families, so I can provide for my family, so I can give jobs to people that do things that I don't like to do. So you have a background in construction and all those things. I am terrible. I can't even swing a hammer in the correct direction. So my handyman is making a killing <laughs> off of me. He loves Andrew. Value to other but, but that all is a result, though, of focusing on the bigger picture. And yes, money does come as a byproduct of that. And that can be a barometer of whether or not you're doing it right. But at the end of the day, and you had touched on how I try not to be that flashy and throw it in your face. You know, I drive a Honda Accord, but I could afford a more expensive vehicle. But just the way that I carry myself, I mean, my clothes, I, this is maybe J. Crew or Old Navy. I, I don't know. My wife, my wife could tell you, but it's, for me, it's more on a bigger level of if I can provide value to enough people at a large enough scale, everything else just falls into place. And if I'm leading it through integrity, everything else falls into place. So I'd say at, at least this season in my life, because it hasn't been the same thing forever, but I'd say definitely if I can provide more value to more people, that is what will drive me. It's no longer how much money can I make? It's no longer what can I buy? It's no longer how can I impress other people? It's just providing value to others and seeing results in their life. That's really what gets me going. Let's talk about um, the importance of integrity. And you and I have both been in business for several years and been involved in different aspects of business. Both have crossed paths with people who don't necessarily operate from a basis of integrity. And truthfully, I'm seeing it more times than not, it is a lost characteristic, I believe, in a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs is integrity. It's almost like a lot of people are trying to get from point A to point B in the quickest, shortest, least resistance amount of time, really with no regards to those around them. So can you expand a little bit just like on just, just on that, that one word, integrity, and kind of what, what does that encompass for Andrew? Well, it's been my experience that integrity is a long-term play, and you're not going to get short-term results. You're not going to get short-term recognition. You're not going to get something in one day, in one instant, by just showing integrity one time. It's not a matter of I know that my morals say that I should do this and I'm going to make the right decision this one time because you may have some actions that have, that take more strength than others, 
but integrity is a characteristic that's built over time. And, you know, when you were on my podcast, Self-Made and Sober, uh, was that six, six months ago-ish, we hadn't built enough track record for you to have even posed that question because it was a couple weeks of, well, this guy said he'd show up and he did show up and I have a couple weeks, but <laughs> you, can, you can see how I conduct myself on a larger scale and the, the way that integrity plays a big role in my business, the thing that I'm probably most known for, my remote IT company, Rush Tech Support, in the remote IT industry, it's very, very, very shady with how you can do things and versus how we do things. So the way you can do it is you pay somebody else to infect somebody else's computer, freeze their screen, have a pop-up, and then great news, you call my company and I can cure your problem that I paid somebody else to cause. So that's one way to do it. That's how a lot of people do do it. If you do it that way, not saying it's right or wrong, but based on the viewpoints of the Attorney General and the Federal Trade Commission, that's not the most ethical way to conduct business. Now, these people were making millions of dollars, and I was on the sideline just trying to help people one person at a time. I didn't know anything about growth or scale or anything, but this is 2014. Other guys are making millions. I'm making a couple grand per month if I'm lucky. My short term looked terrible compared to theirs. However, November 2014, I had been in business now. I, I started March of that year, and the other guys had started a couple years before me. And the attorney general comes in with guns, shuts down one of the big players. They had like 70,000 customers. Meanwhile, I've got like 150. But I knew people in the space. And one of the people who worked there said, hey, we have 70,000 people who still actually need this service. <laughs> I can trust you. I don't trust anybody else. Can we make this happen? And I'll wow, wow. Just, just, just real quick. I mean, that is a very significant example of integrity right there. That's how quickly things can change in business because you're talking about a short game and a long game. And a lot of times people don't think of the long game in regards to integrity. But I just, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I really wanted to point that out because that, that is just so significant that out of all the companies, all the people, and I'm sure this guy knows, all, he knew a lot of people, but your integrity through the long game stood out to him above everybody else that he felt he could entrust these clients to you. Yeah, and the crazy thing about it too, I mean, if, if you just look at the facts of this situation, that company had 500 employees and it was me in my living room and my buddy would come in on his off days and help. Him <laughs> so, so whatever was going through his mind, I, I have a feeling I wasn't his first 
first choice when it came to who could handle 70,000 new opportunities. <laughs> There's a lot of other guys that are a lot bigger that probably could, but he knew where he could go. And that was one of the turning points of the company. And that's what changed it from me and my friend who was part-time to 10 people in my living room. And then the neighbors got pissed. And then it was one office suite. And then it was <laughs> And then it was, we had six locations. And it just kept growing and getting bigger. And it's one of those things that short-term gains, well, that's what they are. They're short-term. But it's been my experience that you get rewarded for the long-term movement. Everything worthwhile is uphill. There's no get rich quick. If you put this dollar in the ATM, a hundred comes out every single time. It just doesn't exist because if it did, everybody would do it and it would be easy because most humans want the easy way. And if you can sacrifice integrity short term, you may be able to get those gains you're looking for, but I'm in a position now where a lot of other people went out of business who were doing it that same way. And they all came to me because they were like, Hey, we have all these customers and we're screwed because we did it the wrong way, but maybe we could work something out because we did all this legwork the wrong way. And I mean, those people, they're still my ideal clients. I mean, if somebody has a problem with their computer and they pay somebody to fix it remotely, that is who my ideal client is. So how they acquire them, I'm not on board with, but take that out of the equation. The reality is these people have trusted somebody else. And these companies, I'm, I'm not saying they were evil people or anything like that. Just the marketing was more aggressive than... I would personally care for, but when they looked at the position that they were in back against the wall and they wanted, oh, we'll cut out the dog. <laughs> Scrub that out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you'll, you'll learn. <laughs> so as far as your company, which I have a little insight on because I've, gotten to be very close to you and kind of how things are going in your life. And I do know that it's, it's growing at a, a steady rate. How have you implemented this basis of principles that you started the company with as far as the team and organization that you're building as a whole? How, what does that look like as far as your organization goes? One of the big things, and you started, you know, the podcast with asking with my why, and in an organization, you need to make sure that all the people in the organization know the organization's why. Because on a micro level, people can make decisions that seem to be the right thing, but they may not actually line up with the organization's goals. So for instance, we can take this, this scenario, we'll just put it in a vacuum. Customer calls in, we did all the work for them, they want $300 refund because they just lost their husband and they need money to pay for the funeral. In a vacuum, black and white, we did the work, we earned our money, your problem is not my problem. In a vacuum, 
I think a lot of people. Most would companies would most companies would tell you to kick rocks. Well, exactly. But if your foundation is on providing value to others, yes, they paid us. Yes, we did what they paid us for. However, if we're going to put value in their life, they just suffered something super traumatic and it was very inconvenient, the timing. And it's not my responsibility to put that back. But I mean, if the focus is on do what an ethical company would do, and this, this is the lens that we run our decisions through, what would an ethical company do? What would a great company do? And so when you're posed with that, with that same situation, this lady's husband just died, she needs money for the funeral, what would an ethical company do? An ethical company would give the refund back. Okay, decision made. And if it falls into some way where it's difficult, then we look at what would a great company do? So we can look at this situation of, I have a really, really good salesman. The guy makes a lot of money for the company. And we notice something's a little off on him, come to find out that he's doing drugs, hard drugs, not affecting his work. He's a great producer. An ethical company, well, what are the ethics in this? I mean, it's drugs and it's not affecting his work. He's still acting well towards the customers. But what would a great company do? Would a great company keep somebody who is a drug addict? No. And then it's, well. <laughs> I mean, you know, a, a lot of companies like that, though, would, you know, do, I guess, sort of an intervention with that person. Well, and that's exactly what we did. I got in touch with some friends and we got him scholarshiped into a rehab program. Oh, nice. And, and we had run into this a couple of times with him where he'd get clean for a couple of weeks and then he'd fall back off. So, and I mean, he was very good at sales, so he would make a ton of money and that would be the cause of it. So we had to just lay down hard you can't even work here for 30 days. And then he gets his life together, fell off the horse again. And this person who was one of our best salesmen of all time, for the sake of saving his life, we had to cut ties with him completely. Even though some people would say, this is bad for the company. This person generates a lot of revenue. You said you wanted to provide value, but I'm not providing value if I am... I am supporting a habit that will kill somebody. So go, go a little deeper with that because that's, that's really significant what you're talking about as far as giving this scenario here because a lot of companies would just turn a blind eye and just tap whatever they can get out of it, which unfortunately you and I have been connected to people that they find in a hotel room after ODN or, or, or something of that nature. I, I know one guy had gotten a big inheritance, went out for a weekend. What he failed to realize is that time of not doing it, things had changed and his body wasn't adapted to what he thought he could handle. Ended up basically having a heart attack, wide in a room by himself for two days. You know, millions of dollars he just got that he never even got to enjoy. So, but yeah. that, that, that's really, uh, 
but this this comes down to the decision and again i'd be lying if i just said we were like huh he makes 20 grand every week so over the course of a year let's see uh a million dollars in sales we should do the right ethical thing i'd be lying if i said it was that fast and hard and black and white and easy however doing what was best for the longevity of the company and when we eventually did just completely cut ties with them and again it's not like he was sabotaging our company like he was a good worker when he would show up but when we got rid of him i think we got a lot of buy-in from the others in the company because he was always number one every single week over and over but the, the employees saw that even though he's producing money that we stand for what we say we stand for and we act in accordance with that because everybody can say we act on ethics and morals and that's our philosophy and i think that was actually i think um is either edron or arthur anderson or maybe both of them they had like a morality clause in their contracts like it was it was a stated thing and they just didn't follow it but you know they would point at that piece of paper and say this is what's important to us because on paper that's what we say is important but again it's been my experience so many times that when i act with integrity and do the right thing even if in the short term and i don't know what's going to happen next something in the universe puts some piece in place to take over that just makes things work better than they would. And I don't see too often people going for years doing the wrong thing and it still just keeps working out over and over. I, it hasn't been my experience where I see somebody with five years of success doing the wrong thing. I, and I mean, I'm only 32. I don't know a billion people, but I, I haven't seen that myself. Do you think that, so getting back to like that situation, but that, that core basis of integrity is kind of like, uh, what's that game called? Jenga? I think it's Jenga. Yeah, with the blocks. Right, with the blocks. But that is such a key piece in the Jenga of your company, so to speak. Because if you're trying to build a company that's centered around integrity, good, good ethics, doing business right, being honest, but we got some gray areas over here that we're not going to really talk about because those are money makers, which I've seen more times than I can count. In fact, I had connected a couple people uh, this past week and uh, the, the one came back to me and, and revealed some issues that he had with this connection because of the lack of integrity with some of the things that they're doing. And it's amazing how quickly that relationship changed, not only for them, but for me, because integrity is like such a big deal for me, especially when it comes to business. Yeah. It's kind of like that, the analogy of a plate falls and it shatters and you can glue the pieces back together, but it's still never going to be as strong as it was when it was whole, but then you break it again. And then it's just, what's the point of even keeping this plate around? 
it, it might as well just get replaced because it has lost its purpose. The reason behind it is just no longer here anymore. And I'm trying to juggle all these things and you can put glue and use random hacks to try to fortify it. But ultimately it's easier to just get rid of it and get a different one that has the structural integrity that you're looking for. And I've, I've come across that though a lot of times too, where people, they'll, they'll be saying the words value integrity, except for where I make money. And I think it's also, there is something to be said for, it's a lot easier to sit there and preach it when you're not in the position to see the immediate results of it. So for instance, the janitor who says, I have all the integrity in the world. If I ran this place, it would be all honesty, all integrity. That's how I would do it. And this isn't like a knock on janitors. I'm just saying like in the hierarchy of the company where decision makers are, a person low level that's not making key decisions in the company. Absolutely. Says, if I were in that position, I would do it this way. However, what do you do when you're in that position and they have a newborn baby, finances are tough, and you know that you could bend a little bit and make a whole lot more money. You're going to say that that's what you would do. And you can say that when you're not in the position. However, if you don't have the track record or the experience or have ever walked in their shoes, you don't know what you would do in that situation. You can say the words, if I were in that situation, I would do this. But until you have an example in your life where you gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars based on an integrity move, I'm not going to sit there and say, I don't trust you. That's not what you would do. However, it's a lot easier to say that than it is to be in the position, especially one that you can justify enough. Because I mean, that same situation, I could say, look what he does in his own time. That's his decision. And I'm, keeping my customers happy. That's what's most important to me. But that person's life is in jeopardy as a direct result of the money that I pay him. I mean, maybe, you know, in retrospect, maybe the, the solution was he comes, makes all that money, and I pay him minimum wage until he gets his life straight. But I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish him the best. But it's, dif it's different when you've lived that and you have you have an experience and an anecdote of a time when you made a very difficult decision and had to had to forego a lot of money on a principle versus versus just dollars. Well, it's it's very interesting because you know we both have come across people in business or people possibly that we were wanting to do business with. And I've even had mentors of the past that I greatly respected, looked up to, filed their message, filed their lead. But I can remember on several different instances or occasions that when we would be in some type of social setting, there was like a whole different side of them that was completely contrary, I guess, to the image I had of them of the presentation they had given me, uh, I'll just give you like a rough example. So 
You go out with a guy that's married, has kids, blah, 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 preaches integrity and honesty. And then the guy's groping and flirting with the waitress at some restaurant or what have you that you're at. And to me, though I try not to get too much into people's private lives, I do think that people that I include in my life have to be well-rounded with that integrity in all aspects of their life, not just the presentation of business. Because in my opinion, if you're not going to be integrous, let's just say with, with your marriage, that means at some point in business, you're not going to have integrity as well. And I've, I've experienced that firsthand in some partnerships that I've been in because I wanted to turn a blind eye to things that they were doing outside the company. And then lo and behold, they ended up embezzling all the money out of the company that we were involved with together. I mean, it just, I do think there is a connection with that though. Yeah. Well, I think it, if, if that weren't true, then there would be examples of people who were perfect in one area of their life and sinister in another. But if the guiding principle, I mean, people are what are running companies. So there has to be the principles from the person who's at the top. That person has to be guiding the ship. And if that person doesn't have integrity or proper principles in their own life, and again, this isn't me preaching. I'm not I am far from perfect. Don't get me. Oh, oh yeah. And, you know, I, I wasn't saying like, you know, we're not up on this tower of uh, flawlessness. No, but for, for discussion purposes, though, absolutely. The idea that you could have integrity in one portion of your life and then choose to not have integrity in a different part of your life, that's you'd be living a different, I guess if you're like a split personality or <laughs> maybe you can, you can actually block out those pieces of your brain that tell you how to act in certain situations. But have you ever been out to a business meeting with, with, with some people and you're just appalled Absolutely. by some of the people's behavior and you're like, you are nobody that, that uh, you, you are not who I thought you were. I mean, you were acting like somebody I don't know. And for me, who's committed in my marriage and in my life and in the, the tenements of my marriage, et cetera, not, not that I'm, I don't make mistakes and have issues, but I do have some, some certain principles that I ad adhere to very tightly. It's very offensive to me when I'm out in some type of setting and there is one person that's acting as such it you know it makes me very uncomfortable and i question sometimes when people will kind of give you like the nudge like you know how we do and it's like actually no that's that's <laughs> not no i well, what, what are we talking about you know how we do it's like uh yeah yeah i mean you have just revealed to me apparently how you do and i, I have okay and i have misread the situation but the like one of for example one of our uh, vendors and you know the the drug thing is just it's an easy thing to come back to not right or wrong but it's not for me and i guess if it's illegal it's probably more wrong than right but 
one of um, one of my uh, vendors had taken taken our company out, and it was very very like they're getting up, going to the bathroom multiple times throughout dinner. You know, coming out, rubbing their oh. nose. I saw I was like, and and it. It, it is what it is, but when I see that, it puts a red flag in my brain. And the integrity, it's not like they went up and said, hey, going to go to the bathroom to powder my nose, wink, wink, wink. It was just like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And so they're trying to play it off as if I weren't going to recognize exactly what you're doing. And so then there's that level of, how do I know I can trust you in this situation moving forward when you have shown me that I misread you to begin with? And it's amazing that, so I, I think of this example this past week for me, but it's, it's amazing that when, once integrity is faltered with someone with me, it's like, you, the, the, I love the broken plate analogy. I could put it back together, but it's, it's not a whole plate anymore. And it's, it's, it's amazing how hard it is for people to build integrity with you. Like, I feel like you and I have a lot of integrity between us. You know, we, we have spent a lot of time building that relationship. But if I did something just completely off the wall, or let's just say you got, saw something on Facebook and you're like, that's not who I thought that person was you can't undo that and I don't mean that in a judgmental sense but I guess in, it, as far as I am today understanding every, everybody makes mistakes and I'll be the first one to admit I make a ton of them but I do try to surround myself that conduct themselves like you said pretty much in a consistent manner across the boards so pretty much what you see here is what I am at home, sometimes a little crabbier. Uh, but if I go out with people in a social setting, I'm not flirtatious. I'm not rapping with the gals. I'm not getting phone numbers. You know, I have almost like this invisible wall up that I think that those are the opposite sex. No, don't even, don't even enter that zone because he's, he's not open for business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and I do that intentionally and it's not to be off-putting with people, but it's that important for me to protect the integrity of my marriage. You well, know, when you, and when you've made the decision that your marriage is something that is important to you, you make decisions in your life in accordance with that as your guidance, because we can go through life and especially this day and age, I mean, there's so many push notification here, phone call there, text message, email, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can get so much stimulation from so many different things that you can literally sit in a chair all day long and never get bored. And this is the only time in human existence where you can do that, where you can just sit in a chair and be perfectly fine doing absolutely nothing, just responding to life as it comes to you. So in the short term, if you don't have it laid out that my marriage is something that is important to me, and then a girl pops up and says, we should do things that married people do 
if you're just focusing on short term and you don't have your long term why behind it, it would just be a well, in the instant right now, I can get instant gratification. They did a study, and this was actually with uh, children, and it was it was something to the effect of I think it was like a marshmallow. I think it's called the marshmallow test. Oh yeah, and it, it was you can get one marshmallow now or wait X minutes and get two marshmallows later. And most of the children picked the marshmallow now versus the two later. But what they came to find later down the road was the children that chose to wait for the two marshmallows, they ended up being a lot more successful and well-adjusted in life because they weren't looking just for short-term gratification and then dealing with the consequences and the lost future opportunities. The people who were willing to wait because they knew that there were bigger things, building the relationship up front and growing that, they ended up doing better in life. But our brains are wired short term, now, need it, now, 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 now. Well, when you, when you started your company in your front room, did you have any vision or idea that you would be where you're at today? No, I knew nothing about anything. It, in retrospect, I have no clue how we got to where, well, I know, it, you know, it's like the story I told you where like right. a giant opportunity landed in my lap as a result of integrity, da, da, da. That, that wasn't the game plan. The game plan was to get 200 customers so I could make $30,000 per year. That was the plan. I didn't have a path to it. That was just the, if I can do this, I could have a full-time job doing something that I like doing. But I didn't know anything about growing a company, building, scaling. I didn't know anything about foundations. I, I had integrity in my life thanks to 12-step recovery. And that was kind of the guiding force in my life. And I had started my company. I had got my one-year sobriety anniversary is March 23rd. Uh, so one, one year was March 23rd, 2014. I started my company March 26th, 2014. So wow. three of the one year anniversary and the formation LLC. And so my life was guided in the principles, not in the, I have to make a whole lot of money. I've been fortunate enough in my life that I was in the group of kids that would have chosen the two marshmallows later. So I'm like the only 18 year old kid that has like a Roth IRA and things like that. So I've been building, <laughs> I've been building that for, I guess, nine years at the time. And so I had enough nest egg and I came to the realization, if this doesn't work out, I'll be a 27, 28 year old with no retirement living with my parents, which is not that bad in the big scheme of things. Like, it, it's not the worst thing. And who knows, maybe I could have a full-time job fixing computers. And then once that started growing and evolving, I realized as a business owner, my job is not fixing computers at all. Like we could, we could change tomorrow. My job is the same. It's just the, the actions that we're taking in the day-to-day -day operations. But I don't, I don't fix computers. I run a company. So what was pivotal with you breaking through that limiting belief system early on in your company that I, that I know personally you continue to adhere to 
as, as we're talking currently, because oftentimes entrepreneurs paint themselves in a box. And I often hear Christian Simpson talk about they are employees of their company. They're not actually entrepreneurs. And there is a distinct difference between being an entrepreneur and being an employee for your company. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental, uh, I'm in no way saying that's a bad thing. I've done it many times myself, but can you kind of expand on that a little bit? So my experience in that situation, I didn't understand what I was doing. It just happened to be, and now in retrospect, five years later, I look back on it and see what I was doing. But I came to the realization that I could not run the company. And there was only like three or four employees. I could not run the company, fix computers and do payroll and do accounting, bookkeeping and do all the things that I wanted to do. And I realized majority of my time was spent fixing computers, but all of my money was made from hiring salespeople and improving our marketing. <laughs> do both. So the toughest decision for an entrepreneur to make is I'm going to take off the hat of the person who fixes computers, give that to somebody else. I was making maybe $800 per week. I'm paying him $600 per week. Now my paycheck is cut by 75%. And most people just stop right there and they say, I'm not going to survive off $200 per week. I can't do this decision. They don't take it one step further and look at if I take that time that I was fixing computers, not generating any revenue, and then double down on hiring salespeople and increasing our marketing, I will make 10 times that amount and not do any of the work. And that's, Bingo. Yeah, that's, that's the piece that they, most people miss is because they say, I'm making $800 a week. I don't want to spend $600 a week for somebody else to do this. I can do this myself and keep $600. But what they're missing is you don't have enough hours in your life to be working inside of your company doing day to day to be able to grow a successful business. You I think I, I think about Josh in our group. His is a great example. I mean, just what you've managed to kind of guide and direct him through the last six months. And yeah, even in a period of time in our group from when we started to where we're at now, I mean, he is like a textbook example of exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And the really cool thing, and for people listening, the background on Josh, he was a handyman, Josh, the handyman, right? Goes to your house, fixes whatever needs to get fixed. Thanks, Josh. Here you go. Good job. And his issue was he was doing such a good job that he was booked out for weeks and he had to turn away business because he couldn't book people in a short enough period of time. But his other obstacle was nobody else can do the job that I do as successfully as I can. And that's one of the, the lies that the self-employed person, and there's a difference between self-employed and business owner. And the self-employed person says, nobody else can do it as good as me. And you have job security on your job, but you don't own a business. You just 
get to make the decisions of how this operation works. But if Josh was there being a handyman 24 seven, he wasn't running an actual business. And when I sat down with him and pointed out, look, you can charge this amount, you can pay your guys this amount, and then here's the gap. So say it's, he charges a hundred an hour, pays 30 an hour, keeps 70 an hour. And he says, but in 10 hours, I've paid out $300 that I could keep. He, say, fought, he, he fought you on this, didn't he? Oh, well, everybody does. If you have an experience to being a business owner with, with multiplication involved, it's very difficult because you're never taught this in school. Your parents probably didn't teach you this unless you've actually witnessed somebody doing it, which is what he saw in me. It's very difficult to buy into this, but I was like, look, you bill a hundred, you pay 30, you keep 70. Multiply that. Now you've got two jobs and you're booked out half the amount of time. So you're paying two guys $60 an hour. You've billed $200 an hour. How much money is in your pocket? Or $140 per hour. So if you hire 10 people, you are now making $700 an hour and you're not lifting a hammer. <laughs> Which he's not now. I think he's working, what, two hours a week or something? Well, he, <laughs> and, and that was, but that was very difficult for him to, to get to that point. But effectively what he came to realize, and this just goes to show that you can apply this to at least in, I mean, my experience is in service-based industries. Sure. So whether you're fixing computers, whether you're, hanging a chandelier in a ceiling, it doesn't matter what the action is because scalable, scalable operations, it's just finding the formula and it's going to be different for a handyman versus an IT company, but at least 80% of the things that I do, he also does. And there's little details here and there. He does scheduling. Mine is on demand. Like there's little nuances inside the company, but on the big picture, it's the same thing. He just copied my model and you know, he'll, he'll send me a text saying I made all this money and I only worked three hours last week. <laughs> LOL. Yeah. And, and he's making more money per week, not working. Then when he was working uh, 70 hours a week, which he said he was working set up to seven days a week, literally like 80 hours. Like that was yeah. his life. And he was exhausted because right. he never, he didn't have time for his family. He didn't have right. time for anything fun. And you and, don't have to be a Harvard graduate to pull this stuff off either. It's right. just, it's, he had the humility. And I mean, it's, we see this a lot with people that are in the coaching space where they want the results, but they don't want to actually do the actions because it's scary and unknown. So we'll take half measures and it won't work. And, but he's, he is a unicorn example of, he followed the process. He didn't question it. And I mean, now he's getting great results. And, you know, on the flip side, there's other people that I give the exact same experience. Cause I'm not, I'm not giving advice even, I'm just telling what I did. And there are people that get the exact same words coming out of my mouth and they'll fight me on it and then explain why it won't work for them. And I've, I've stopped taking it personally, but 
it's very interesting that people who just follow the process of you can hire out, you charge you charge more than you pay somebody else to do it, and that's all there is to it. So if you had like, say you found somebody that just says, John, I'm gonna give you $50 every day, don't do anything. Just, just click a button, I'll give you $50 every day. You'd be like, okay. And he said, or you could work all day, I'll give you 100. And it's like, but I just click a button, I get 50? Yeah, and you can multiply that as many times as you want. You just have to click the button to get those $50. You'd be like, well, but I could make $100 a day if I do all of the work myself. I'll take that 100 because 100 is more than 50, but 50 times infinity, you can make that money back and do less work. That's how you build a company. Well, it's a pitfall of entrepreneurs, though, and you touched on that early on in your company, which I think is that box I was talking about. And it's just the fact that when someone starts a business, they work the business. I, we'll just take Josh, for example, built this business. It's just this mindset and mentality that nobody is going to be able to do this as good as I can. I'm going to be the first to admit all this that I've been doing with this podcasting and what I've been working on have been from people that are a hell of a lot smarter than I am. Okay. And without their help, yes, I could have probably figured it out, but I saved myself probably four or five months. <laughs> so why wouldn't, why wouldn't I bring somebody in that is way smarter? You know, it's egotistical of me to think, oh, I'm going to do this and no one's going to do it as good as me. Uh, well, there's a whole bunch of people doing it a lot better than me. <laughs> there's, there's ego and humility and if you tell yourself you're the best person in the world and nobody else can do it as good as you, and then you tell yourself all of my customers will leave if it's not me, and some of them will, but if you go off multiplication, I'd rather have 10% of a watermelon than 100% of a grape, especially <laughs> when I can look at just a pasture of watermelons, unlimited, versus hanging on to this grape that it, it's it's actually easier to to be at the top because you can snap your finger and then all these changes can take place you have to have good people on the ship oh and absolutely absolutely it's it's not just well i hired 100 people why don't i have a great company there's a yeah. lot more to it than that but but the basic principle of it is just multiplication yeah the basic principle is our whole life we have been taught, get a job working for somebody else, get a pension, work for the government, work a nine to five, that's the safe move. Retire, right. wait, to, wait to die. Exactly, and I think the funny thing, this idea of a, a safe job, like of all my employees, you know whose job is the safest? It's definitely mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no doubt that, that it's Nobody yours. is firing me. Right. Like a couple people got fired this last week, and at no point was I thinking, what if I'm next? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's a great thing about being at, at, at the top of this. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just very interesting, though, that I've watched the things 
that you've shared and the people that you've worked with. And I've watched the direct results of that, of them taking those actions and, and that outline that you've laid out for them. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that one of your businesses is Andrew Lassie Coaching. Oh, Lassie? Lassie. Andrew Lassie. See? Lassie. Lassie. It's going to take me a while to get that switched up. <laughs> Lassie. But so I would encourage anyone to, to look up Andrew Lassie Coaching if if you're interested in having a, a further discussion with him on this, because uh, truly he not only has great plans and suggestions for entrepreneurs, he's living it. And he has living examples of his clients that have followed this that unbelievably, I mean, crazy that a guy cleared six grand for the week in his pocket Work two hours. While he was in the Bahamas. While he was in the Bahamas. Six grand he put in his till. So, yeah. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up here. I, I, I want to really uh, thank you so much for coming on. And I, I hope that we can have more in the future because I, I just think that we have great energy when we converse and we're very like minded in some respects. And you know, it's just been fantastic having you on here today. And I, I very much thank you and uh, hope that in the near future, we can, we can collaborate on some more things. Absolutely. And John, I mean, what you were saying about how your podcast and how you just fast forwarded, I mean, I've been banging my head against the wall for six months on mine and I'm looking at yours like, man, John's really got this stuff figured out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think what you're doing is great. And I mean, I, I appreciate the opportunity and great everything. man. I, I really appreciate you. I'm, I'm blessed to have you in my life today, John. Uh, I am as well. Ditto on that. I mean, it's been fantastic, you know, and I just want to say to anybody that has the opportunity or is considering a mastermind coaching group and do not hesitate. It is worth every dime. The value that we get out of that group, you cannot put a price tag on it. And why don't we put a price tag of ten thousand dollars? No, I'm just kidding. But whatever, it's, whatever you can ask for, that's what uh, Christian Simpson says. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the the value of the group though is, it's really in the sharing and having everybody collaborate on big issues and helping people get clarity. And that's, that's really what this whole thing's about. But John, thank you again so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And thank you for everyone for listening. And we hope that you look Andrew Lassis up. Lassis. Lassis. <laughs> but we will, however, put, uh, if this is going on Facebook and LinkedIn and so forth, we will be putting links to his website. So I hope that you all reach out to him. He is a fantastic person. Thank you, Andrew, and you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.